everybody. This is Cynthia Barnes with another episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. And today I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Sherilyn Castleman. She has held Fortune 500 clients as a global sales executive for more than 20 years. Currently, she is the Chief Learning Officer for Sisters in Sales. SIS empowers women of color across the sales sector. Also, the managing partner and executive coach for CGI, a sales training and coaching firm. She prides herself on changing mindsets as well as instructing and inspiring others to action. She's also, get this, the author of What's in the Cards, Five Post-Pandemic Sales Strategies. Sherilyn, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you, Cynthia. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, it's my honor and my pleasure. We've had a couple of conversations in the past and all of them have been amazing. So I knew that when I did the podcast, I had to have you as a guest. Thank you. I was, and congratulations on the podcast. This is exciting. Thank you. Thank you. I am having a great time. So what are you, what's new in your world and what are you working on? So one of the things that I'm working on is how do I expand my reach? How, do I, how am I more scalable? When I look at two things, one, women of color were impacted by the pandemic more than anything else. Yes. And so a lot of us have lost jobs, we're no longer employed, or we had a small business and we're trying to come back. And I still think that having sales skills is the number one skill that we can learn. We're great with relationships. We're adaptable. We're flexible. We figure things out. We're solution oriented. If we can learn sales skills, I think that black and brown women can excel in whatever they choose to do. So I've been trying to think about how can I scale this? So the book was the first reach. Now I'm looking at how do I reach more women? So I'm actually doing more coaching and training with organizations that are committed to helping black and brown women um, in the sales sector start businesses. I'm also working on a learning development platform so that people can, I can, again, reach globally people and, and just some of the key messages that I have that are just centered on how do you, not only how you sell, but how do you sell as a black or brown woman? Yes. So that's one of the things that I'm working on. The other thing is I recently saw that there have been two new CEO, black women CEOs in 2021. Until this year, in 65 years, there's been 1,800 CEOs. One of them was a black woman, and that was Ursula Barnes from 2009 to 2016. We've had one black female CEO for 65 years. And when she was leaving Xerox, they interviewed her and they asked her, why don't we have more women of color in the C-suite? And she said, marketing's not going to get you there. The arts is not going to get you there. Communication's not going to get you there. You have to go where the juice is. And she defined juice as product and money. And a light bulb came on and I was like, not only does sales give us a tool so that we can succeed. Sales gives us a way to be leaders. Sales gives us a way to get into the C-suite. So from entry level to end of the C-suite, I think we need to master sales. And that's my mission. I love it. So when you talk about the sales skills for black and brown women, what specifically are you referring to? So one is building relationships, how to connect with people, how to, because people buy from somebody that they like. People buy from somebody that they can make a relationship with. And one of the best things that I think came out of the pandemic 
is we now all have something we're connected on. It used to be that I would walk into a guy's office and his degree would be from Harvard. I go, can't connect there. He played football, can't connect there. His favorite team is the Braves, can't connect there. And I'd sit there going, what do I connect with this guy? Well, one of the greatest things about sales right now is we all have been through the pandemic. We all can connect on our experience around the pandemic. So I coach a lot about how to connect with people, how to talk to people around what I call the, the four Fs. You know, asking people, what was it like their first day back after the pandemic? What was their finest moment or what they discovered as they're reinventing themselves? What was their biggest failure since the pandemic? And also, what does their future look like? So for women, it is knowing that we are good at relationships. We are strategic. We are thinkers. We're solution-oriented. We collaborate. So take whatever your own personal superpower is and develop that into sales. And I'm all about finding your superpower. And if you don't know what it is, one quick trip I have, send an email to five to 10 of your best friends, colleagues, people you've worked with, and ask them, what are three things that I do well? And remind me about a great experience that we shared together. You get the best emails back from your friends and you take that list, paste it into your phone notes, and there's your greatest hits. There's your superpower, take that, and go out and sell. Whatever that superpower is, if whatever it is, you can leverage that and go great into sales. So because we are natural at this, remember what you do well, and that's how you can succeed in sales. I love it. Find your superpower. That's hashtag aha moment worthy. Yes. Yes. So do you think that women, specifically women of color, get in our own way sometimes? I'm going to say not sometimes, but most of the time. Talk, talk to me to, a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, so when I'm coaching clients and we start dreaming and talking about what their vision is and what their goals are, I think so often women of color, we've had so much, so many negative naysayers in our life that it gets in our head. And so, you know, I, they'll, we'll, we'll say things like, oh, he's, he doesn't want to, he won't, he won't want to talk to me. How could I sell to somebody in the C-suite? I didn't, I don't have an advanced degree or you know, I'm the only woman of color on my team and all the guys get this. I don't get this. And and so what, what I remind them is our self-limiting beliefs is can be 90% of the barrier. And so one of the things that I encourage women to do is just check in with themselves and ask yourself two questions. And the first question is, is it true? So right now, Cynthia, if I said to you, you're a lemon, what would you say? Baby, I'm limoncello. It okay, is not true. Right. Yeah. Okay, it is not true. But we will tell ourselves, oh, I was just talking to a woman this morning. She said, oh, I can't. I can't connect with people on LinkedIn. What happens if they don't accept my link? They, that means they don't like me. And I was like, is that true? And she was like, well, no. And then I said, does that get you closer to your goals? So one of the things that I encourage women to do is just three times a day, pause. Ask yourself, are my thoughts true? Are these, you know, and is this getting me closer to my goal? That's it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't say, oh, I shouldn't think that. Oh, it's horrible of me to think that. Just get in the habit of interrupting those self-limiting beliefs. And you may have them all day. And what will start happening is you'll start having positive beliefs. And you don't want to turn that, that off because that's the same voice that checks us when we're going into a dark garage. Yeah. You know, that voice that says, Cynthia, do you sure you want to walk in that garage at this time of night by yourself? 
Mm-hmm. So that's that voice that protects us. It's that voice that gives us yellow alerts if we're dating somebody and your hair kind of stands up and you're like, I don't know if this is the right person. So right. we need that best friend. But let's get that best friend turned off those self-limiting beliefs by asking yourself two questions over and over again. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Is this belief I'm having, is it true? And number two, is it moving me in the direction of my goals? That's it. Right. That yeah. alone will quiet that voice. Right. That inner critic is, is dangerous and also helpful. Sometimes that inner critic is worth listening to, like you said, Absolutely. but Absolutely. If, if it, when your inner critic starts out with always or never, you know that yes. it's not true because nobody's that consistent. That's so right. again, ask yourself, is it true? And then is it helpful? And if it's not right. relevant right now, say, you know what? You need to get in the back seat. I'm driving this car. I'll listen to you later. But for right now, I'm going to focus on what is impactful in getting me toward my goal. Like you said, that, that's, that's wonderful. That yeah. Is wonderful. The other thing, and I love what you said about the back seat. The other tip that I have is I tell people, give your best friend, because this inner voice is your best friend, a name. And so, you know, my best friend's name is Robin. So I tell Robin, so I think about something I enjoy doing and I love cycling. So I say, Robin, you're going to go cycle while I make this important call. And it's just mentally, you know, just like you said, Robin, you sit in the back seat, enjoy the ride. I got this ride. Okay. I got this. Robin, you know, I have a client that loves baking. She tells her, you go out in the kitchen and make me a big batch of chocolate chip cookies. I got this call. Okay. It's just mentally separating you from that voice empowers you and you feel so good that you can just jump on it. And then when you're done, you're like, Okay, Robin, you can come on back now, you know, because yeah. I got this one. So, I got so this there's one. two ways. One is actually literally giving them something really cool to do while you do what you need to do to take care of business. Or two, just challenging the thought. Don't, but you know, we don't believe that we're a lemon. Why would you believe that I can't be on LinkedIn? Why would you believe I can't call the CEO of that major health insurance company? You know, right. why do you believe you can't, you can't do something? And so you just, you just have to believe in yourself. And, and quiet that voice. Yes. And it's a practice. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh-huh. No one is expecting you to wake up tomorrow morning and say, I believe in myself. I love myself unconditionally because you've got years of negative pathways and neural pathways that have been formed. It is a practice. And I encourage women to take an affirmation, whatever it is that if you were your most powerful self, you would say, I am this. And you say it to yourself a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. And over the course of a week, you will start to change the thought process in your head. It takes work. It takes practice. Is it hard? Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. That's right. It is hard. But the other tip I have is I tell people, take your phone and set an alarm three or four times a day. And so in my case, my alarm says Robin. So when Robin pops up, up, nobody else knows what that says. My phone says Robin. I know that I'm supposed to check my voice. So it's the same thing. So if you have an affirmation, pick one word in the affirmation that will trigger and trigger yourself three, four, five times a day to just check in and say, okay, am I having, okay, Robin, what kind of thoughts are we having? Are these true? And, and, And the same thing. So whether it's an affirmation. You know, today we're all working virtually. It's great. You can just put it as a post-it note on your screen. Nobody knows it's there. But when you go back in the office or if you're out, if you're in sales and you're traveling, you can't walk around with a post-it note or write it on the palm of your hand. Just set your alarm, put that one keyword in, pick a word nobody else knows, just that will trigger you and trigger yourself all day. I love that. I'm going to do that three times a day. I'm going to put in my word. 
and and it may change tomorrow. It may change next month. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, we're ever evolving. But you know what? We've got to be intentional about putting the positive stuff in because the world is it tears us down. It does. It does. It does. And you, like you said, we've had years and years of this, and it's horrible. And and there are people that love us today who yes. can still kind of, you know, you're, you're getting ready to go in and make some calls or you're getting ready to give in and send out some LinkedIn connections. And sometimes people have the best intentions, but sometimes people that love you will say things that aren't, that don't move you in the direction of your goals. And so we have to do that for ourselves. Yes. We have to be able to do that for ourselves. Yes. We need to be our best advocates. So you said that you like cycling, stationary bike or outside? I'm a road cyclist. I mean, yeah, I have a Peloton. I ride inside in the winter but I don't touch it in the summer and spring and the fall. I am just out and putting in my miles and I try to do 20 miles after work and 50, 60 miles on the weekend. I just, yeah, I just, I love it. It, it, I used to be a runner and had to give that up. My orthopedic said I was going to pay for his vacation for the next three years because he was going to do my hips and my knees. And I was like, oh, nope, 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 nope with that. So yeah, so I started cycling and I absolutely love it. What role does physical fitness play in your mindset? Let's talk about that. So one of the things that I learned many years ago is to have, is to create things that are habits. So I, my morning habit, I use the acronym SWAT. Okay. And so what SWAT is, is when I was very little, my great grandmother quilted together swatches of fabric from our clothes to make quilts. I grew up in Iowa and it was very cold. And so we all had these hand quilted blankets on our bed for warmth. I thought it was cool today. They're antiques, you know, back then I thought, you know, that's just what everybody did. I didn't know any better, but I use the acronym SWATCH because I think that if I stitch together these items every day, I have a great day. So I start with S is for sitting. So I sit every morning. W is I write. So I write for 15 minutes. I wrote a book over the course of the year by writing 15 minutes every morning. I write my blogs in the morning. I write my posts for LinkedIn. And I just sit down and write. I write unsent letters. I write love letters. Whatever I want to write, I write for 15 minutes. A stands for action. What's one or two actions that I'm going to do today and just, you know, I'm going to, what, what am I going to accomplish? What's the most critical action? Okay. T is thankful. And I used to talk to people about an attitude of gratitude. Now I talk about an action of gratitude. And I give gratitude for three things, people, actions, and comforts. So I am thankful for my daughter. I am thankful for my comfortable seat that I'm sitting in or my comfortable home or my comfortable car. And actions are things that I can do. I'm I'm grateful that I can bike. And the final thing that I, I do is just health. And so for me, health is movement, hydrating. And so under movement, I am biking every day. If not, I'm doing yoga if it's raining or I'm on my Peloton. And so it's part of my whole routine of being healthy and taking care of myself. If I do that every morning, I have a great day. If I sit every day, if I write every day, if I take action for the critical items every day, if I have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness every day, and I focus on my health every day, I have a great day. And if you stitch those great days together, you have a great week. And if you stitch those great weeks together, you have a great month and a great year. And that's where my acronym SWATCH comes from. It's just like my great-grandmother used to stitch all the little pieces together and make these beautiful quilts. 
I will have a beautiful life if every day I stitch it together. I love that because there's gratitude, there's self-care, and you and I both know that you can't pour from an empty cup. So you are taking care of yourself, starting the day out intentionally so that you can give to others. And I'm sure that you show up as your best self, having taken care of the things that you need to take care of in order to do so. Absolutely. And when we're our authentic self and our best self, and we love us, other people like us too. And if you're in sales and you walk in the door and you like yourself, your clients are going to like you. Your prospects are going to like you. And if you think about it, the times when you love Cynthia, when you just love yourself, you're irresistible. People can't tell you no when you love yourself. So if you wake up every morning and do something that makes you love yourself, it makes sales easy because you're going out there. People love you. And so, and that's why I always tell people, you want to work somewhere where you can be authentic. You want to do something where you can be yourself because when you love yourself, you show up with your best self and it makes it easy. If you're not somewhere where you can't be your authentic self, you're in the wrong place. Whether it's a job, whether it's clients, whether it's an industry, whether it's a relationship, it doesn't matter. If you can't be your authentic self, it is not worth it. It's not. When I first started in sales, I used to, I, I heard a speaker say that if you walk into a sales meeting and you do a number of affirmations before the sales meeting, you are attracting what, what you put right. out. So I, I stand in my Wonder Woman power pose with my feet shoulder width apart. And I say, I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself 27 times. I don't know why 27, but uh-huh. it totally changes your posture, your mindset, and that vibration, Yep, that vibration. And you attract so that you don't have to attack. Absolutely. And I, one of the things I used to tell the women on my team when I was coaching them, and sometimes I tell people I've coached this and they don't know how to take me, but they've talked about that super pose. It's either yeah. standing, when you stand up on your hands, with your hands on your hips, so I tell women, go into the bathroom before you go in, because sometimes yep. you do it in the hall, it looks a little crazy. Make your feet wide, put put your hand, like you said, stand up real tall, put your hands, get that superwoman pose. Yes. And take a couple deep breaths, say your affirmations. I'm telling you, you'll go out there and then you're unstoppable. And like, you know, you don't always want to do it in the lobby out in front of the meeting room, you know, somebody might catch you, but you can always go in the bathroom and do it and you just knock it out of the park. Same thing if you're doing a job interview. You're going in for a job interview, go into the bathroom, take your superwoman pose, get your power, say your affirmations, and you will just, you will just knock it out of the park. I've done it in hallways. I've done it before speaking engagements in the, the green room. I've done it in the bathroom, closets, wherever. It is so important. If I don't do that, if I don't get my mind right, anything can happen. But you have right. to be intentional about that mindset. It, it is so powerful. And you are less likely, I find, to let things affect you when you go out there and you have a, a, a very positive, shored mindset. That's, yeah. that's a good point. You don't, you don't, it's stuff people say tends to roll off your back. You don't take it. You especially don't internalize it. Yes. You know how good you are. And when you know yeah. how good you are, it's just like, okay, you're having a bad day. That's your bad day. Right. Not, that is the, your mine. business. Not mine. Right. Because that's I am right. unstoppable. I am, I like myself and all those juicy bit, tidbits. Yes. Yes. So you are a new grandmother. I am. Even Michelle was born. Memorial Day weekend. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So as a grandmother, how are things different? And I know you've only been a grandmother for a week, 
<laughs> but when you look back on the knowledge, the skills, the mindset, the love, the hopes and dreams that you instilled in your child, hoping that they will instill those in Ava Michelle, what are some of those things that are non-negotiables that you say, these are important for Ava Michelle? So one of the things that I always, I have two daughters. And so one of the things that I told both of my daughters to do was to think big, regardless of what they were doing, think big. And then I would say to them, no, think bigger. I don't care what you do, just think bigger. And then go do it. Just set your mind to it and go do it. And that, so that was, that was one of the biggest things I said to them. The other thing in our house, it was about kindness. If given a choice between right or kind, choose kindness. Mm-hmm. If given a choice between anything, you know, right and kind, uh, focus on kindness and always be kinder than you have to be. Always be kinder than you think you need to be. And that you can't outgive. And that if you give, mm-hmm. you get it back. So if you think big, if you're kind, and the other thing in my house is trying is lying. And, and what I say, and the reason why I say that is, I don't know, Cynthia, do you have children? No. Okay. So any, anybody that you have nieces, nephews, anything. Niece, okay. Yes. So think of, think of your niece and imagine telling her to go clean her room. And if she said, oh, Auntie Cynthia, I'm going to try. What would you think? <gasps> See? No, baby girl. There is yeah. no try. There is only do. <laughs> right. Right. So in my house, trying was lying. I, and so we just didn't try. You just do. So whatever you say you're going to do, just go do it. And, and failure is an opportunity to develop your sense of humor. Failure is an opportunity to, just, you know, to make a better choice next time. It's okay. So do. Think big. Be kind. And so those are the things that I, for my daughters and now for my granddaughter. I love that. So you, you mentioned failure. And can you think of a misstep in your sales career that changed the trajectory of who you are? Wow. Which one? (laughs) Good question, Cynthia. One of the, so one of the biggest missteps in my career is I started out selling insurance um, on the debit. And so back in on a debit was you would primarily in the inner city or in rural America, people put a dollar, a quarter, whatever their weekly insurance premium is, and they hang it on an envelope on the door. And so I would go by and collect that and then marked it off. And that's how people paid for their burial policies. And so most of the people that I talked to had about $3,000, $2,500 life insurance policy. And so I learned over time that it took the same effort to sell a $3,000 policy as it took to sell a $10,000 policy, as it took to sell a $100,000 policy, as it took to sell a million-dollar policy. And I still remember the very first million-dollar policy that I sold. And I sold it to the superintendent of, I think it was the Atlanta Public Schools at the time. And I was so thrilled. And because it was such a large policy, the the superintendent had to get an exam. Well, I had done, I had written it up. I had sold it. He had agreed everything. He had written the check. And I had passed it off to somebody else to make sure he was going to get the exam and that that worked out. Well, when he went to get the exam, they botched it. They didn't didn't treat him well. It was a horrible place that they sent him to get the exam. And because it was a big deal and it was a big contract, he got very frustrated. He canceled. Now, it was my first big deal. The commission on it was huge. And I was devastated. But I think what I learned 
is that sales is not just in inking the deal. It is taking care of your customers. It is client success. It is making sure that that client is successful all the way through. And, and once I discovered that, I actually moved from straight commission sales into client success because I realized that having clients, upselling and cross-selling clients is much easier and has greater rewards than the um, constantly adding new clients. And so that I think that was, for me, an aha moment that I'm really good at relationships. I worked really hard with this client. I want to be, I want to upsell, cross-sell enterprise accounts because that's what I'm good at. So that, yes. that was an aha moment for me that I need to take care of my customers. Yes. Yes. Because there's no one better. You've developed the relationship. That's right. You've got to see it through so that you have earned the right to ask for referrals and upsell and cross-sell yes. and things like that. And when we work so hard for an opportunity and then we entrust the final product to someone else for the closure of it, that it's like walking the door backwards. It is. It is. And, and I, and I, like I said, I, I still remembered, I was, I was like, okay, so no humor here. I'm not going to laugh at it. And, you know, opportunity to begin again more intelligently, maybe, but what's the lesson? There's always a lesson. There's always an opportunity in every obstacle. And I stepped back and I said, it is becoming a master of client success. How do I help my clients succeed? And yes. that's, that's what I did. That is crucial. So I want you to go back to the Sherilyn of younger days. And I want you to complete the sentence for me. It's a three word sentence. And if I were to ask the Sherilyn who just started in sales, I am blank. What would she say or how would she respond? When I first started in sales, I, am, I said, I'm helping people. Because I knew that the people that had these burial plans, it was very common in the inner city if somebody died to pass the hat. And so mm. I, I believe that it was important to have life insurance. And yes. so, so when I started out, it was all for me, it was I'm helping people. Yes. Sales was, it just came natural. I started selling Girl Scout cookies when they were less than a dollar a box. So I've been doing this a long time. It's all I've known. I've been in sales. And so, yeah, it was, I, I'm helping people. This, this makes sense. And I walked with Devin in Minnesota. So it would be 10 degrees below zero. And I'd be out there going door to door, picking up 50 cents a dollar every week, every two weeks. Whenever people got paid, they put it in the little envelope by the door. And, you know, and you pick it up and you mark it off in your book. And they paid their insurance. And their insurance is good for another two weeks, you know? My, how times have changed. Yes, they have. Do you think people in the black community value life insurance now more than they did then or the opposite? So as my career progressed, I ended mm -hmm. up doing becoming a financial planner and doing estate planning. And so my clients were African-American doctors and lawyers and engineers and CEOs. And what I realized is that with education, we value things. So- yes. So many, when I was, when I first started, so many of my clients are first generation. So if you're a first generation to college, first generation to law school, first generation to medical school, and you come out and you're making good money, they don't teach that in school. Nobody teaches you about estate planning and the importance of building generational wealth and the importance of living debt free. And so 
I sold through education. So I, I, I still remember I did a workshop one Saturday morning for women. Uh, she Means Business was the name of the workshop that I did. It was a waning morning, and I expected about 25 or 30 women. 300 black professional women showed up. And I still remember, like, at a holiday end, they were pulling back the accordions and bringing in chairs. And, and that's when I knew we want to know, we just don't know. Right. And I spent the morning teaching women about money and investments and the importance of estate planning. And that's when I knew it was important. So absolutely, when we learn about it, we get it. It is important. So a lot of women in sales don't know how to plan for the future. We get these commission checks. One month, it's $10,000. One month, it's $500. And we end up spending what we make and not mm -hmm. being able to budget what we have for a rainy day. Nobody teaches us in sales how to budget, especially if you're on straight commission. What can we do about that? So, wow, you're taking me back many years. I used to teach a, a women in money class, and I haven't thought about that. So, first of all, every commission check you get, pay yourself first. Take 10% and put it away and never touch it. With every, it doesn't matter if you've got a $500 check, a $5,000 check, or a $50,000 check. Take 10%, put it away long-term. Find somebody that you trust and invest that money and put it away and forget about it. Take another 10% and put it in your put-and-take account. Your put-and-take account is down payment on a car, down payment on a home, that vacation you've always wanted to take. That's your put and take account. I'm going to put it in for a while, then I'm going to take it out. It's, you know, we have a baby come. We're going to save for that and so that we have that. And then the final one is that you want to pay into your reserve, your emergency fund. You want to build your emergency fund so you have at least three months salary. You lost a job. Somebody got sick. There was in your car broke down. This is your emergency fund. So you want to put 10% into there. So you're putting 10% into your emergency fund, 10% into your put and take account, and 10% away long-term that you forget about. It is just, it's going to be there for retirement. Now, the other thing, and then the rest is yours. So then you budget out of that. What do you need for your house? What do you need for your car payment? What do you need for groceries or anything else? And one of the best ways to do this is to do it with your kids. Is to teach your kids how to do this. And I know that a lot of cities have banks for children. I know that when my children grew up, there was a, you know, the, the, the youth bank or the children's bank. And what I used to do is give your kids an allowance equal to their age. So if your child is three years old, give them $3. You get $1 in their pocket. $1 goes to the bank. You take them to the bank every week and have them put that $1 in. So one third in the bank, one third in their pocket, they get to do anything they want with and then you teach them about savings, and one-third goes into something they're saving for. So they go to the, you know, I, used, I took my niece to the toy store once, and there was a Barbie she wanted. And I was like, okay, the Barbie cost six bucks. So for six weeks, if you save that dollar, you can buy that Barbie. So she would put one of her, her dollars in her Barbie box, Barbie fund. One was going to the bank, and one she could spend. So now they get to spend. And so if you teach your kids this, they get in the habit of saving long-term, saving short-term, and spending what they have. Now, for my daughters, when they went off to college, that long-term account, they got it. So whether they bought a car with it, whether they paid for tuition and books with it, I didn't care that that's their long-term account was full. 
there's short-term accounts with things like buying bicycles, buying skis, you know, going on a trip. Uh, if there's something that they really wanted to do, that was what that was for. But it also, kids get in the habit of, okay, I get a dollar every week. Now, what do I want to do with that? And so, and, and I started my girls with chores very, very young. I mean, I gave, you know, my little one a squirt bottle with water and some paper towels and said, you're supposed to go dust the, the window seals. Okay. That was her job. Every, every child can learn a job and you can give them an allowance. And when they turned four, they got $4. When they turned five, they got $5. When they were 12, they had $12. By the time they were 16, they were getting $16. When wow. they got a job, when they got their first job, one third came of their first paycheck and every paycheck came to me. One third of every paycheck they got went into the bank and one third of every paycheck, they got to do whatever they want. Now, the one third they gave to me, I didn't put it towards the mortgage. I put it in their savings account. They didn't right. know it. And I added that back to their money. That's so genius. we can do it. We can teach our kids this. And when you teach your kids this and they grow up, that's how they might go manage their money. Yes. Yes. That is so needed because they're too many women end up 55 years old and don't have pot to pee in or window to throw it out of, but yet yep. they've had illustrious careers and they look back and they think, where did it all go? And we yep. outlive our husbands. So, you know, people think I'm going into retirement. I'm going to have social security. No, baby, the roof is 20 years old. When you retire, you're going to have to repair the roof or replace the roof. If your husband passes away, you don't get his paycheck anymore. What are you going to live on? So money management skills for women, that that's a course that, that somehow we need to get out there and instill and offer it over and over and over again, because that wealth is what is going to help us offset that gap. So let's talk about what's next for you. So it is, again, it is this learning development platform that I want, I want to bring women in sales together globally. I want us to be able to learn from each other. And I want every single black and brown woman that wants to learn about sales, I want a place for them to go that doesn't cost them a dime. I mean, if you've never mm -hmm. sold anything and you want to learn how to just be a basic, um, we used to call them cold colors, I guess they call them smiling and dialing today or SDRs or BDRs. But I tell people, if you could learn one skill, Learn how, to, learn how to do that. And yes. so if you want to learn that, if you want to learn how to read a 10K so that you can sell into the C-suite, I yeah. want them to be a place where they can go. I don't want anybody to ever be limited by the skills and knowledge that you, that you need and want to be able to sell. And so that's my vision is what, how can I make that happen? And so I'm partnering with some companies now on building out a learning development platform and getting funding for it and making it available to black and brown women worldwide. That's what I'm focused on. In addition to the coaching and training that I do and just sharing the knowledge. I've had a great sales career. I've had a, an amazing time. And I just, I keep going back to what Ursula Byrne said. Go to where the juice is. Yes. The product and the money. You've got to touch the money. And yes. I think it was for the Harvard Business Review, I don't recall, recently did an article about women CEOs. And they said that one of the biggest skills that women need to go into the C-suite is P&L. They have to have P&L responsibility. And yes. so if you want to know the one thing you want to raise your hand for, is you want to start raising your hand, how do I get P&L responsibility? Let me have the P&L responsibility for my unit. Let me manage the profit and the loss. Because that's what leadership is about. 
It is mm-hmm. about driving shareholder value. And you can't drive shareholder value without understanding the money and how it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're giving me all kinds of nuggets to write down. All kinds of nuggets to write down. So if I were to ask Sherilyn today, I am, what would you say? I'm having the best time. Really? Yeah. I'm having the best time. So my daughters are grown. They both, you know. And so when I think, when my children were young, I would I was making career choices and making decisions. How's this going to impact my daughters? How's this, you know, if I move here, how's this going to impact my daughters? If I take this job, how's this going to impact my daughters? I used to do a, a radio show, a drive-time radio show. But I realized that in order for me to do a drive-time radio show, I couldn't get them off to school the way I wanted to. I used to teach at a community college in the evening. Well, if I was teaching at a community college in the evening, I couldn't be there with them at night to put them to bed. I was doing international enterprise account management at one time. And I still remember I was in the Philippines and I got a phone call uh, from my daughter. And she was like, eh, I'm not coming home tonight because I don't think you care. And I was like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? And she goes, you're always in Asia. You're always in Europe. And I was like, oh, stop. And so one of the things I tell moms is that your kids need you the most from zero to five and then from probably 12 to 16. When they are teenagers, they're going to need you again as much yes. as they needed you when they were little. And so now that my kids, are, my girls are grown, I can make and do whatever choices I want. And so I'm having the best time. That is great. Living your best life. Yeah. Living your yeah. best life. Yeah. So the title of this podcast is Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. And I want to know what makes you unstoppable? I'd have to say just my vision. I'm always five years out. And I am just, and anybody who, who knows me knows that, yeah, don't get in Sherilyn's way. I am always five years out. So sometimes it may feel like a zigzag, but I'm always moving in that same direction. So I know where I want to be five years from now. And so what makes me unstoppable is knowing that I'm headed out there. And so I enjoy every day. I enjoy the journey, but I'm always headed in a direction. And so it doesn't matter if I have an obstacle, so what? I just look for the opportunity there and I keep on going. If I have a bad day, tomorrow will be a better one. When my girls used to come home from school. I said, did you have a good day or a better day? Oh, I had a good day, mom. Okay. Tomorrow you'll have a better day. Today I had a better day. Awesome. You know, when I, when I come out of meetings, I always say, did I, what did I do well and what could I have done better? So it's always yeah. well and better. So what makes me unstoppable, Cynthia, is I've always has a vision. I always know where I'm going and just living my best day so that I get in that direction. I love that. Where do you think that mindset comes from? Because that is what a lot of people aspire to have. Very few actually accomplish it. Wow. So I'd have to say my parents. So my, like I said, my dad had his own business and he, he, he grew up in a home where good enough isn't. And today I, I try to teach women that good enough is, that some, you know, we don't have to be perfect. We don't always have to be the best, but I grew up in a home with a very strong work ethic. Family was important. And again, we do, it was about doing. And so that's just what I did. And so, you know, I, it didn't matter what I, whatever I said I wanted to do, I just figured out how to do it. And so, and my dad, you know, my, my dad was, you know, he, he would say, well, Sherilyn, there's more than one 
one way to skin a cat than starting at his rectum. And so, you know, I'd come in the house and say, oh, I wanted to do this and now I can't because of this. And his, that was his only response to me, which was a way of figure it out. My dad, figure you know, out. so figure it out. And so I have always figured it out. You run into an obstacle, figure it out. It's okay. You're smart. Right. Yeah. So, and there's so many options out there. Just because point yeah. A from A to A to B didn't work doesn't mean that D to F doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what I did is just figure it out and have a good time. The other thing that I think is important, and this is something I talk about, is go up goals and give up goals. So Cynthia, your go up goals. I want to go to college. I want to be a CEO. I want to make a hundred thousand. Those are go up goals. You protect your go-up goals and only share those with a few people who really are want to see you succeed. And then share your give-up goals. I'm going to give up chocolate. I'm going to give up fried foods. I'm going to give up with everybody because misery loves company. So if yes. I'm sitting around a bunch of people and I know that they really don't have my best interest at heart, I talk about give-up goals. I never talk about go-up goals. I only talk about go-up goals with really close friends my daughters, people who have my best interest at heart. And then they are cheering for me. They are rooting for me. But, you know, there were everybody else. I just share my give up goal. That is brilliant. That is brilliant because when we have those goals that mean so much to us and we have down days in which days are not going the way we want and we go and we talk to those people who don't have our best interests at heart, it seems like they are magnets for right. I told you that wasn't going to work right. or you, you dream too big again, didn't you? Yeah. Because misery, love comp- misery loves company it does. It and does. you have to be careful who is in your tribe because not everybody wants you to succeed. They may say they do, but people are selfish. Pe- I mean, they're, they're self-serving through no fault of their own. Your best option is what you said. You share your give up goals and you protect your go up goals. Right. And so I'm giving up sugar. I'm giving up donuts. I'm giving up caffeine. You know, people, you know, you tell somebody you're giving up chocolate and they're going to lay a Hershey bar next to you. Okay. Yeah. You chuckle to yourself because you know, all right, that's fine. But you don't let somebody take your dreams away from you. So, you know, share your give up goals, protect your go up goals. Okay. Yes. And just, and, and, and ask yourself, what's the difference and say, is this really a go up goal? I want to get promoted. I want to be a leader. I want to be a sales manager. I want to be top of the leaderboard. You protect those. Yes. And your manager is not always somebody in your best in your best interest. No. Nope. So I've had managers say, "Okay, Sherilyn, what are your goals?" And I will sit there and say, "Well, my goal is to give up being so hard on myself, or my goal is to give up." You know, I make up something. I've had a whole lot of sales managers. I never told them I'm gonna have your job one day. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna tell them that. Or I'm not going to tell him, yeah, I'm going to be on the top of the leaderboard in six months. Or I'm going to sell the largest account we've never sold. That's and self-preservation at its finest. It is. It is. At its finest. This has been so much fun. I know that people are going to want to connect with you, to be in your space, to learn from you. What's the best way for them to do that? So there's a, there's a couple ways. One is you can go to masterfulselling.com. And on there, it will say connect with Sherilyn, schedule some time with Sherilyn. You just click on the link and my calendar will pop up and jump on my calendar. Link with me on LinkedIn. Okay. I respond. I will connect with you on LinkedIn. And the other one, if you are a black or brown woman 
in sales, connect with me on Sisters in Sales. It's yes. S-I-S-T-A-S-I-N-S-A-L-E-S. Become a member. It is free. Join Sisters in Sales. Join our events. Check out our blogs. I am always doing some type of event or posting something. We've got a big summit coming up in September. So you can find me on Sisters in Sales, Masterful Selling, or CherylinCastleman.com or LinkedIn. Nice. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your energy with us. It, this has been awesome. I took notes and I can't wait to implement the swatch theory, the sitting, writing, action, thankful, and health, putting 10% of the savings, put 10% of my put and take, and then 10% well, three months of salary away. I think I knew those. However, with age and maturity, you get away from some of those habits. So thank you for the reminder. And I know that our audience is going to want to connect with you and to get more of your knowledge. So hopefully we'll be able to have you come talk to the NAWSP community and they can share in your brilliance too. Absolutely. Thank you. It would be my yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Enjoy Ava Michelle. I will. Thank you. Yes. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. This is Cynthia Barnes with another episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. Thanks for tuning in.